Statistics Part 5. Tell me about a Kaplan-Meier curve. Well, a Kaplan-Meier curve estimates survival. So it's estimating survival. It's showing you the proportion, the portion of patients who are alive or disease-free at any point in time over a defined period of time, of course. So Kaplan-Meier curves may go out for two years or four years. Patients are removed from the curve with death or when they're censored either because we lost them to follow up, no records, or the study period ended. So if there's a defined follow-up period of time of four years, for instance, they'd be censored at the end of the study. But if they haven't died and they haven't been censored, they're on the curve if they're event-free. So is a Kaplan-Meier curve a statistical test? No, a Kaplan-Meier curve is not a statistical test. Remember, it's telling you um, an estimate of survival in a population over time. So it's survival data being presented to you. The probability of death is calculated when a person dies on the curve. So this decreases the cumulative probab probability of survival over time. And that calculation happens every time someone dies or is censored. What is log rank testing? Log rank testing is a statistical test to evaluate survival. So remember, Kaplan-Meier curves present survival data. Log rank tests evaluate survival, and it is a statistical test. It's comparing deaths in the treatment group to deaths in the group without treatment every time there's an event. So you have a randomized controlled trial of women with endometrial cancer who are receiving bevacizumab versus placebo. And, and at each point where someone dies or is censored on this curve, the log rank statistical test is comparing deaths in the group with bevacizumab exposure versus the group with placebo exposure every single time. And it's based on a life table analysis. So log rank has a life table analysis underneath it. And it's presenting um, survival data. What is Cox regression? Cox regression is also evaluating survival like the log rank test, but in this case, Cox regression is comparing relative risks of survival based on multiple variables and then creates a hazard ratio. So I want to know... I want to have a sense of, like, is survival impacted by weight, age, tumor grade, clinic site? And so I would do Cox regression, and I would have survival as compared to um, one group against another based on all those variables that I just listed. That's Cox regression. And that is also 
um, an evaluation of relative risk. What is a hazard ratio? A hazard ratio is the risk of someone dying during the study period only. So a hazard ratio doesn't extend beyond the study period. It would only be true for the entire duration. So if it was a two-year study or a four-year study, et cetera. And hazard ratios use log rank to calculate odds ratios. So let's go back over that. Log rank is a statistical test used to, to evaluate survival. And hazard ratios are using log rank to calculate odds ratios. Where else do we see odds ratios? We see odds ratios in case control studies. So just to kind of link all these numbers. So again, just repetition can't hurt. A hazard ratio is the risk of death during a study period only using log rank to calculate odds ratios. And it's making an assumption that your risk of death is completely steady through the study. That's what a hazard ratio is telling you. What is Cox proportional hazards model? Used in a lot of studies, we see it all the time. So it's used in clinical trials, prospective cohort studies, and it's looking at how multiple variables can impact survival all at the same time, simultaneously. And the multiple variables are independent and can change over time. So your dependent variable is overall survival, progression-free survival, or your survival time of each patient analyzed. It's using nominal and numeric independent variables. So Cox proportional hazards modeling is used in clinical trials and prospective cohort studies to look at how lots of different variables can impact survival simultaneously. Compare and contrast hazard rates and hazard ratios because they're they are different. Okay, so a hazard rate is the rate of patients experiencing an event like death in a given time period within one arm of the trial. So a hazard rate could be generated from the bevacizumab arm of Bev versus placebo. And a hazard rate could be generated from the placebo arm in a trial of Bev versus placebo. So how many patients die in that arm of the trial? That's a hazard rate. A hazard ratio is estimating the ratio of hazard rates between the experimental and the standard arms over an entire study period. So a hazard rate could be the bevacizumab arm of our BEV versus placebo trial, and same with the placebo arm. But if you want to compare the BEV and the placebo arm um, hazard rates, then you generate a hazard ratio. So it's not a point estimate. And because it's not a point estimate, a hazard ratio can be used to declare superior or non-inferior in a trial. If you just use a point estimate, you can't declare that. So that's why in a lot of the papers we're reading, we see 
like a non-inferiority trial is set to say, okay, the hazard ratio is set at 0.72. So it's looking at hazard rates in each arm of the trial to get the hazard ratio to say that's our non-inferiority benchmark or that's our superiority benchmark. So rates or individual arms, how many patients die in individual arms of the trial, the rate of that, and it has a ratio is comparing those hazard rates. Hopefully that makes sense. So hazard ratio is a little bit more about them. Hazard ratio of one is sort of that net neutral, no effect one way or the other. Um, a hazard ratio of less than one in a typical trial would favor the experimental ther therapy. So if you're looking at some standard therapy versus an experimental therapy, carbo versus carbotaxol, if a hazard ratio is 0.7, well then that's favoring the carbotaxol. It's, it's improving survival for patients. If the hazard ratio is 1.25, well then your hazard ratio is greater than one and it's favoring your standard therapy when you're comparing two arms. Okay, well the carbo fared better than the carbotaxol because it, the experimental arm showed a hazard ratio of 1.25. So to put it into kind of numeric percentage type terms, hazard ratios of 0.75 means there's a 25% lower risk of death with the experimental therapy versus the control therapy. This is some math I don't fully understand, but if there's all, it's also true that the hazard ratio of 0.75 equals 1 over 0.75. And that equals, I guess if you multiply it, it's 1.33. And that also means 33% of the time, there's an increase in survival with the experimental therapy versus the control. I think it's that gets a little bit complicated, but um, if it makes sense to you, that's great. How do you interpret a hazard ratio? So literally look at your two survival curves to interpret your hazard ratio. And the hazard ratio is an average with survival benefit versus detriment interpreted within the Kaplan-Meier curve as a whole. What is the proportional hazards assumption? The proportional hazards assumption is the ratio of hazard rates at each time interval remains constant throughout the study, or at least relatively constant. So the ratio of your hazard rates at each time interval you look at your Kaplan-Meier curves is remaining relatively constant through the entire study period. And you can tell if your proportional hazards is holding true simply by looking at your curves. So proportional hazards would hold true if you have two curves that follow the same general slope of one another, the curves and the bends, and they don't touch. Their lines aren't touching, their lines aren't crossing, they're not overlapping. The proportional hazard holds, but there could be minor concerns if there might be some, some single point where the lines touch each other. And the proportional hazards are violated if the lines cross one another. And in that situation where the lines cross one another, you cannot interpret your hazard ratios because your hazards are not proportional. So then you have non-proportional hazards 
And the only real recourse you have in this situation, if this happens in a trial you've designed and are analyzing data for, is you could use subgroup analysis or time-dependent analysis. But unless you've defined that in your study a priori, those endpoints, and that analysis was already planned into the trial, it's exploratory analysis only and can't be strongly concluded. You can't use um, time-dependent and subgroup analyses as strong evidence, even if you had a randomized trial, because you would be doing that um, post hoc.